a review very quickly. We're looking at the creeds. And we looked at the creedal statements in Scripture and that we found there were quite a lot of them. And you may never have known that that's what they were. You might have thought, well, Paul came up with that all on his own. Or John came up with that all on his own. Well, I'm sure that they could have if the Holy Spirit decided to work it that way. But instead, many of these we find in history and the writings of the early church were already being used as ways to profess our faith in Jesus before we were baptized, during worship, in our meetings with each other, in the small groups and such that Dean was talking about. People had to stay together. One of my favorite shows is now off the air. Of course, you get to my age, that pretty much is all of them. But it's called, it was called Mythbusters, and the whole concept was, this is what people are saying, is it true or not? When I was growing up, and the people telling me this were not dishonest by any stretch of the imagination, this is a story they had been told as well, is that basically when somebody became, you know, the early church, the, uh, Jesus ascended, and then the apostles died one by one, all uh, violently except for John. And then we were told, now without all that, all we had was the Bible to lead us and, and to make everything perfect. And that's where this falls apart. They didn't have this. They didn't have this for hundreds of years. They had to be kept together somehow. They, they didn't even have their community anymore. And that the Jews by this time had divorced them and they had divorced the Jews. It was both ways. A lot of that was to do with inter-family fighting, but a lot of it was also to do with Rome and Rome's political ploys to break them up, make them less powerful, less of a cohesive unit. Now, there were books being written. Some of them were written by Paul. Some of them were the Gospels. They were being circulated as widely as possible, but that as possible needs to be put there. Please remember, the only way to get from here to there was to walk. You might say, didn't I have chariots? No, that was, a, that was like a tank. You know, how many people do you know that have a tank? Uh, if you have one, do not raise your hands. It's illegal. Um, if it's an armed one. If it, it's, instead, you would you'd have to walk. Well, what about a horse? Well, how many of us have a Maserati? That's about what it would have been like to buy one of these. You walked. You might not even have shoes. How long are you going to get with a paper document that isn't even bound? It's either loose-leafed, a folio, or perhaps a scroll. Now, they absolutely had the Old Testament, what we call the Old Testament, plus a few books and a couple of psalms that we don't have. Don't get all conspiracy on me. Don't go all history channel that used to be history. Now it's ancient aliens channel. <laughs> If you notice, uh, the weirder they get, the bigger that hair gets on that guy. Anyway, there's a correlation. Uh, they, they also will throw in lost books of the Bible. They're not lost. We know where they are. You read them and you're going, ah, it doesn't sound like Bible. Exactly. But there were books being written. Some of them were considered important. Some were not. There was lawlessness in the land. Things were burned. Things were broken. Things were lost. There were storms and age and death. Some of these books said they were scripture. Most of them didn't. And some that said they were scripture were obviously not. There were early writers like Clement and Polycarp 
and they were writing, and what they wrote was immensely helpful to the early church. They referenced Paul and the Gospels. A lot of the first mentions of, of the letters of Paul and the first quotations, we don't get from those letters. We get from the letters of Clem, uh, Clement and Polycarp, and people like this. And it's here where we learn that people looked upon Paul's writings as authoritative and even as scripture. Peter may have meant to say that about Paul's writing in 2 Peter chapter 3. Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation, just as our dear brother Paul also wrote you with the wisdom that God gave him. He writes the same way in all his letters, speaking in them of these matters. His letters contain some things that are hard to understand. Stop right there. Doesn't that make you feel better? If Peter, who was one of Jesus' best buddies, are going, I'm not sure I got that. Well, then, you're not alone. It's rather like, we're, we'll come back to it, rather like the time that I got to watch my first professional golf tournament, the Memorial at Murfield in Ohio. And I watched, I will not name him, but one of the big pros shank his drive right past us onto the front porch of a house. I, I felt so happy. Not at his misfortune, but if that can happen to him, I've nailed that shot. I'm, I can do that. So Peter says it, which ignorant men, but watch this key word, they're hard to understand, which ignorant and unstable people distort as they do the other scriptures to their own destruction. Was he calling Paul's letter, letters scripture? Uh, I'd say right now about half and half say yes, Others believe he was talking about the Old Testament and comparing the way that people misuse that like they misuse Paul's letters. Regardless, early church people did everything they could to get these letters. This was more information. This was helpfulness. But Paul himself warned that we were to never elevate anything he wrote above that which had been given to us by Jesus. Remember Galatians chapter 1. Even if we, or an angel from heaven, should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. As we've already said, so I, now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel other than that you accepted, let them be under God's curse. And Galatians is widely thought to have been one of the first one or two letters Paul wrote. So he's already saying, we know the gospel. It's been nailed down. James would write, Jude would write, this gospel once for all delivered to the saints. They had something that bound them together before we got all of their letters bound together and in a handy distributable size. Some of the early books out there were plainly false, while others were, frankly, helpful. And some of them were even a manual for the early church, giving direction and pure living, encouraging them to keep their faith strong. You might say, well, then why don't we have some of those? Because some of those were written, and I call that, in the style of Eve. I'll explain. When the devil said, is it true that you can't eat that tree? Eve said, we're, we can't even touch it. God hadn't said, don't touch it. Well, some of these early writings went beyond the gospel to bind all kinds of extra rules on people. 
And that's why they weren't accepted into Scripture, because that's not the gospel. I can remember, and I'm sorry, this probably reveals a deep fault in myself, but I can remember as a young man, probably 10, 12, 13 years old, hearing the definition of gospel being good news and wondering in my heart, how can you call this good news? Because it seemed in my church you couldn't move without getting busted. All the rules. And as soon as you thought you had them nailed, there was another rule. And then as soon as you had them all down, you were told to be humble. Well, how can you when you nailed it finally? It's like a gymnast nailing it and instead of doing that little thing with their hands going, no, 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 it's, please keep your seats. I've never had to do that when I got up. Anyway, uh, some of these writings were, were good, but not Scripture. The fact that more than a few of these writers died horrendous deaths while protesting their faith all the way to the end, even as they died, makes us wonder at the depth of their faith, and it gives their writing more depth because their faith was so strong in what they wrote. It doesn't seem that anybody was in a hurry to have an official list of books until a man named Marcion. Marcion, there's, there's some evidence, we can't say this with certainty, there's some evidence that he tried to buy the office of Bishop of Rome. For at that time, the Bishop of Rome was, that was the most powerful bishopric, they call, or office of bishop, and he wanted it. He was rejected, and we know now what he did after that because of all the letters written against him. Marcion decided to set up his own church. He considered the Jews his enemy, and a lot of early Christians would have agreed with him because they had been hurt by the Jews. If we were Jews at this point, we would be saying, but the Christians hurt us, so please remember this. But they were hurt nonetheless. They didn't know the whole story, and they would have been sensitive to this concept of, wait a minute, we're not Jews, we're Christians, we need to be separate from them. And so, Marcion developed his list. It was the first list of the canon of Scripture. What is really Scripture? What did he do? He kicked out the Old Testament. Oh, there are a couple bits and pieces he took in, but he kicked it out. He kicked out almost all the writings that were circulating as well. He liked Matthew because Matthew was about Jesus as king of the Jews, so he pushed Matthew. He dumped the other Gospels. I don't know that he had all of them, but he dumped what he had. He took 10 letters of Paul, but not the others, and then he brought in another book that contrasted the old law and the, and the new law. That was it. He made the first list of what books are in and what books are out. Now, you need to know the early church rose up rejecting this. They called him a heretic, but they saw, the early church did, that there was a danger of other people making their own list of saying, I like this book, not that book. I received what I thought was a rather silly question a couple years ago. Uh, I get questions a lot in the email, and I answer as much as I can, and I try to get to all of them. But this one said, do you think we will ever add more books to our canon of Scripture? And I thought, what a silly question. But it haunted me, and after about a week, I realized it's a brilliant question. Because the fact is, 
we do add and we do remove books. You might be thinking, oh, no, I don't. Um, and maybe in British, I want to go right into pantomime mode, and the whole audience goes, oh, yes, you do. But when was the last time you went to Zechariah? When was the last time you thought, you know, we need to spend a lot more time in Hezekiah? We drop books out of our canon and go to our favorites. Not only that, then we add to them. I know that there are some people who believe we can only understand the books we retain, we as individuals, the church retains them all, we as, uh, if we have the writings of, and I have nothing against the names I'm, I'm saying here, you know, Charles Stanley or a, Mark, uh, a Max Lucado or a, a, any, we could go on, a Greg Boyd, whoever it was, John Piper, um, we, we say we, uh, we have to have those too. You know, there are some books. Mere Christianity is the reason I'm standing here. That and the grace of God and the Holy Spirit, we could go on. But you know what I mean? That was the book that turned my head around and I couldn't get away from and forced me to read the other books. So do I believe it was written by the Holy Spirit? No, I think C.S. Lewis did it. Do I think the Holy Spirit helped him? You know, I do. I do. I don't think the Holy Spirit's retired. I don't think he has a condo in Florida at the villages. I... I because that's where you go when you retire. Florida, newly wed and nearly dead. They just package them all right there. Um, the, uh, I, I don't, uh, I, and random people running around with mouse ears. The, um, uh, I, I don't think he's retired. I think the Holy Spirit is still helping us find truth. But, remember the Galatians 1, if we ever find anything that goes against what Jesus already gave us, it has to be rejected. Absolutely. So as they're building this list, they've got to figure out what books qualify, what books agree with what Jesus gave us. Montanus and Dionysus, uh, Dionysus rather, and many others did write their own letters, and they called them scripture. And it seemed that the church was going to fall apart under all of these competing claims. Irenaeus, the great early bishop of the church, spent his entire life fighting these heresies. In fact, he was so successful that the only reason we know about some of these heresies is because his letters mentioned them and answered them in great detail. All their, all their books got burned up. We only know about them because of what he wrote. A quick look at the word heresy. It means a division, and it generally refers to an attitude more than it does a difference. Oh, come on. You and I are not going to agree about everything at all. And we might say, but we get along so well. Yes, we do. And may God continue that. However, we chose different clothes. We chose to purchase different vehicles. We chose to live in different areas. Some of you even vote wrong. It's just... Uh, <laughs> I'm so glad you know that's humorous. They, uh, we, we have differences how are we going to hold together by not holding our differences as more important than our fellowship? That's how we do it. In fact, Alexander Campbell, who started this congregation, one of the men, united with Walter Scott and united with Stone and Barton W. Stone 
even though Stone did not believe that Jesus was eternal. He believed Jesus had been created, the first and greatest creation of God. Today, Stone would have more in common with the Jehovah's Witness in that sense than with us. And yet, Campbell said it is, we are not going to divide over this. Neither of them used this as a weapon to attack the other. If they can do that over this, we ought to be able to live together in peace. However, the problem was the early church wasn't sure what the core teachings were because they did not have this. Even most of the bishops didn't have it. Shocking but true, most of the clergy from the Catholic Church all the way through the Middle Ages were illiterate. They couldn't have read it if they had it. They were appointed or they had purchased offices. This is not a knock on the Catholic Church. It's just the surviving one, so we can talk about it then. Other churches weren't better, no matter what the myths are that are out there. The church was divided. It got to the point within 100, 150 years of the death of the apostles that competing bishops even led mobs against other bishops, and there were fistfights with clubs and rocks in the streets. That's how bad it had gotten. Oh, by the way, Rome hadn't gone away either. They're still attacking the church periodically. You never knew. You never knew with Rome. And now you've got heretics in the church claiming they're speaking for God, and they just found this book by Peter, which isn't by Peter, or this book by Judas, which isn't by Judas. How is this church going to survive? Well, sometime around this time, very possibly around 120 to, uh, I'm sorry, 220 to 250, something was written. The Apostles' Creed appears. Now, we don't have a copy of it. Our oldest copy, our oldest mention of something called the Apostles' Creed doesn't come to 390, but we know it's a lot older than this because what it says doesn't solve some of the issues that the Nicene Creed had to be written to solve in 325. So it has to be older than that. It is generally thought that the Apostles' Creed is the symbolum that was referred to back around 250 A.D. and earlier. The symbolum. What was it said to be? It was said to be the statement of our faith. There was an idea about it, a myth about it, and that was, it was called the Apostles' Creed for this, that each of the apostles had contributed one line to the creed. Wouldn't that be cool? That would have been great. Problem is, they were never all together. And they died in different places. They were scattered on purpose. God sent them to do his work around the world. Therefore, they weren't there to do it. And they, they couldn't collaborate via email. Nor could they collaborate via the postal system. There was none. Remember, even as late as the 1800s, if somebody left Ireland to come to America, they cried not just because they were going to miss them, but because they would never hear another word. Life, death, success, children, grandchildren. Think of what it was like 1,800 years before that, 1,600 years before that. So, what is the symbolum? We're going to just call it the Apostles' Creed. It shows up in various writings of the earliest writers of the church, Irenaeus, Tertullian, Novation, Marcellus, Ambrose, and many others. 
The fact is, every line in the Apostles' Creed agrees with the writings of the, of the Apostles. It agrees with what Jesus said and did. And it agrees with the early creedal statements that we've already looked at in Scripture, a couple of dozen of them, in great detail. That makes it a very special document indeed. Does it make it Scripture? No. It states who we are and how we believe in the story that Scripture gives us. The creed, by the way, has changed a bit here and there over the centuries. A line added there. A line taken there. Next week, we'll take a look at a little bit of that, but not so much yet. Some even have added lines that you say before you say the Apostles' Creed if you're being baptized. They, uh, to the Dutch Reformed Church, for example, you have to state that you renounce the devil and all of his works. Then you're able to say the Apostles' Creed, then you're baptized, and then you say the Creed again. However, this adding and going about, we just know that by the Middle Ages, it was everywhere. In fact, it even started being put into song form in the Middle Ages. Why? Because it's easier to remember anything if it's in a song. You forget almost everything, don't you? But a song, a song you're going, oh, I remember that. I'm even a member on Facebook of a group that hunts down lost songs and forgotten songs. At first, I thought, oh, I'll just peek in every now and then. It becomes almost obsessive. You go on going, I had forgotten entirely about that song. Others, I'll say, I wish I still had forgotten about that song. In more modern times, John Michael Talbot, Rich Mullins, Graham Kendrick, and Petra have released versions of the Apostles' Creed and song. Hillsong had a run at it in 2014 under the title, This I Believe, if you want to look it up on YouTube. Keith and Kathy Getty issued a version called, We Believe, and in parentheses, The Apostles' Creed. This is an important document. It is a unifying document. The people that said this for hundreds of years did not have this. But they knew who they believed. And they knew what they believed. But the what never trumps the who. I can know this book forwards and backwards. And by the way, that'd be a good idea for all of us. I can have it memorized. But if I do not live as a loving, serving, sacrificial son of Jesus Christ, I am lost. I can be an expert in debate and debate doctrine with anybody and drive them from the field. But if I do not act like and love like Jesus Christ, I am lost. We do not elevate a creed above he in whom we believe. We do not elevate our church name or our tradition above he in whom we believe. While it has been a long time since uh, churches ran into the street and attacked other churches with clubs and rocks, at least in our area. Many people still do that with their innermost thoughts and with write-ups on the internet, but not here. We will not receive another gospel. Our gospel tells us to act like Jesus the Christ. Remember this, as we go through the creeds, as we elevate them and remember what we believe, 
that the what is never as big as the who. Very important. Where did we ever get the idea that what we, God was far more interested in what we believe about him than in how we live for him? I'll say it again. Where did we ever get the heresy that God's more interested in what we believe about him than in how we live for him? In a moment, I'm going to ask you to stand, and we're going to recite the Apostles' Creed. There's one line in it which may give you pause. There may be others, but I think most of us are right in here. And that says, I believe in the Holy Spirit, not that one, and in the Holy Catholic Church. Some of you might be going, mm. the word Catholic is not uh, capitalized in any version that I've, I've seen of the creed because it does not refer to a brand name church like Roman Catholic, Orthodox Catholic, any of those. Catholic, the word means universal. And I, in a couple of weeks, I'm actually going to, to substitute a line there to make it the church universal. I want to do that right now. I want you to know what the old creed says. There's nothing wrong with the word Catholic. We have a version of it on our building, Church of Christ. Church of Christ was never meant to be a brand name, saying, we're the Church of Christ, you're the Baptist, and therefore meet you in the city with sticks. No, no. The Church of Christ was chosen by people like Talbert Fanning, Alexander Campbell, uh, Barton W. Stone, Walter Scott, and the like, because it expressly meant all believers. And in fact, they used the word Catholic to define it. So don't be afraid of that line when we get to it. Before I ask you to stand, I do want to ask you to do one other thing. Love on your Roman Catholic friends. They're hurting right now. They have been rocked. There are, there are articles today, I've already read some of them, that the headline in major papers, is this the death of the Roman Catholic Church? Can the Roman Catholic Church survive? My answer to this is I don't know, and neither does anybody but God. If you don't know what I mean, documents are coming out of systematic sexual abuse by thousands of prelates. Now, please remember, the vast majority are holy, wonderful, sincere people. So treat no one as in, in anything other than you want God to treat you. Be as gentle with them as you want back. But there have been abuses, not only sexual abuses, it's long been understood about emotional abuse and verbal abuse and neglect in these homes for children. And it's just coming out. And it's coming out so big, and who knew what is also coming out. It's rocking their world. I would just remind you of this. When you look at this and you tisk and you shake your head, what would it be like if they published your sins in the New York Times tomorrow? How would you want people to treat you? And remember this as well. It was just a year ago that a, a man, for reasons I've never even looked into, walked into a Church of Christ building in Antioch and started shooting people. And if you remember the first people to respond to us was St. Philip's Catholic Church, who the next week had already organized a candlelight procession through town for us, their Fourth Avenue friends. 
if we love each other, God will win. That's what we have to do. That said, Mark, if you bring your team up, I'm going to ask the congregation to stand. Repeat this. No, I'm sorry. Don't repeat it. I'm sorry. I went right to wedding vows. We are gathered here. No. Um, if you would say this with me, and then Mark and the team will sing us out, and you'll sing with them. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of the saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting.